It's 4 o'clock and time for the Calvary Live Show, taking your calls and questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And welcome, everyone, to Calvary Live. My name is Jeff Figgs. I am with you for the next hour. I pastor Calvary Chapel Greeley in northern Colorado, and I am so blessed to be with you on this Tuesday. And as you know, Calvary Live is a call-in program that you have opportunity to uh, give us a call and to ask questions, perhaps, that your Bible reading has brought up. Uh, So we want to be able to bring clarity and understanding the best we know how, Uh, maybe about Christian living, maybe you have a prayer request, and I know that many of you need prayer. Uh, I want to be able to pray with you and to bless you in that way. As you just heard, the number to call is 303-690-3000. Lines are open, so grab one of those open lines, and there is a means for you to be able to text in a question, and as time permits, we will Uh, read those text questions and answer those questions. Or if you have prayer requests as well, you want to send it via text, uh, you can do so at 720-336-0897. But again, grab one of those open lines, 303-690-3000. As I'm in studio, ready to answer your questions and take your prayer requests. My name is Jeff Figgs, again, from Calvary Chapel Greeley, and I am usually with you on Tuesdays, and it's always a blessing for me to be with all of you on the Grace of Film uh, listeners along the Front Range in Colorado, up in southern Wyoming, and also Hope FM uh, radio network on the East Coast of Maryland, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. We want to welcome you as well, as you are a week delayed, but you can call in at this number at this time, and uh, we will be happy to talk to you. We're getting more callers from the East Coast. Love to hear from you guys uh, out there in Maryland, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. Also, I want to welcome all the online listeners as well, because I know there are some listening online, and I've gotten calls from you as well, from Minnesota, from Iowa, from Nebraska. You have opportunity to call and be a part of this show as well. Well, I hope that uh, particularly you guys in Colorado, those of you who went up yesterday for the great eclipse that took place, the Great American Eclipse, many people, they were estimating as many as 600,000 people from Colorado going up to Wyoming, to Casper, Glendo, to Torrington, even western Nebraska, uh, Scotts Bluff, uh, to see the totality of the eclipse. I hope you're back safely. I know that there were, were some traffic problems last night. Uh, but hopefully those are all solved and you're home safely. But um, many of you, I know even uh, those from our church went up and they've expressed how a neat experience it was. But it reminds me uh, of Psalm 19. And Psalm 19, of course, a psalm that many of you are familiar with, that David writes, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard, and their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. And so, you know, David's out there, I just picture him out there in the wilderness, and he looks up in in, uh, the heavens, and he says, it declares the the glory of God. And it does, and it's amazing as we look out. Perhaps many of you this summer were out camping, and 
Uh, you could see the stars and the Milky Way galaxies and the different constellations and stuff. And it really does uh, declare to us how awesome our God is, what an incredible creator he is. And it's interesting that in Genesis chapter 1, he talks about creating the moon and the sun and then the stars. And he only says one short sentence about creating the stars, he said, and God also made the stars. That's it. And then after Genesis chapter 1, the rest of the Bible really talks about how God created us, how he has intervened in our lives to bring salvation. He's revealed his love to us, his plan of salvation, uh, how he initiates to us uh, for us to respond to him. And uh, he gives us his promises, his nature and characters are revealed to us. It really is amazing. And I want you to remember that even as you saw this eclipse that happened, it really, as I look through the glasses thinking that sun, you know, God created that sun. That's just one sun, um, a little sun in comparison to some of the things that he created in the moon. But here's the thing, that you are the crowning jewel of his creation. And he loves you, and you're a pearl of great price. You're a treasure. And in that parable there of Matthew 13, that is, uh, Jesus tells of the parable, the man who sold everything to buy the field to take the treasure out. Uh, We know that the field represents the world. And Jesus, he's the one that came and gave everything for you, not so that he can have another planet, but that he can have you the treasure. You're a treasure to him. And so I pray that this show will stir up um, in your hearts uh, the truth that God loves you and uh, he desires to do so much in your life and work on your behalf. So let's go to the phone lines. Again, uh, we do have an open line, so grab it, 303-690-3000. But we're going to start out with Luke and Firestone. Luke? How are you doing? Good. How are you, Luke? I'm doing good. My question was in regards to John the Baptist when he said, uh, you brood of vipers who warned you of the coming wrath. I totally get right. the first part, but not the second. What did he mean by that? Well, you get the part where he called them a brood of vipers. Sure. Yeah. And in that is, um, you know, the religious leaders came out. Um, they came out um, to the wilderness where he was uh, baptizing there. And we know that um, the religious leaders are asking him, are you Elijah? You know, uh, who are you? He said, no, I'm not Elijah. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. But they came out, checking him out, and he would rebuke them. He would rebuke them because he would say um, to them that, you know, don't think that to yourselves we have Abraham as our father, for I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these very stones. And now even the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And then he goes on and he says, I indeed baptize you with water into repentance. I'm reading from Matthew's narrative. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals that I'm not worthy to carry. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And, um, and he goes on and he says, his winnowing fan is in his hand and he is thoroughly clean uh, out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, and he will burn up the chaff into unquenchable fire. To me, that helps me to understand the context of what John the Baptist was saying. He said, you religious leaders coming out here with your religiousness, in your pride, the phylacteries on your head and on your hands, and your long robes, and your noses in the air, thinking that God owes you something, because they thought that they 
were automatically saved because they were physical descendants of Abraham. And he says something interesting. He says to them, uh, don't think to say to yourselves that we have Abraham as our father, for I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these very stones. So what John the Baptist essentially is saying is your hearts aren't right with the Lord. And um, and he talks about the winnowing fan, um, the threshing floor. He's going to gather the wheat up to the barn, but he will burn up the chaff on quenchable fire. I think what he's saying is you need to get your hearts right with God. And don't think that you are... Um, not subject to the wrath of God or the judgment of God. Um, it's not based on your religiousness. It's not based on thinking you're better than everybody else. It's based on where your hearts are at. And one of the things that Jesus would you know, um, deal with the religious leaders is their hearts, and their hearts weren't right with God. And uh, matter of fact, in Luke's gospel, uh, we have uh, come to that part of where Jesus is just um, a few days from going to the cross, he is withdrawn there in chapter 21 from the religious leaders. Um, he is withdrawn from the multitudes. It's his last full day of public ministry, and we know that Jesus was dealing with the religious leaders whose heart weren't right with him. And they thought that because they were Abraham's descendants that they automatically had salvation and, and I think that's what John is saying to them at this time. Um, you know, you're a brutal person. Don't think that you can escape the wrath. Don't think that uh, judgment can't come to you. You need to get right with the Lord. Does that help? I think so. It was more, I mean, it sounds like a question. Who warned you of coming wrath? Like, they were escaping because they were warned, and he was upset that someone warned them. Is it? No, I don't, I don't get that. I, I think that... Again, Jesus, when he wept over the nation, he said, Oh, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you as, as um, you know, a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you were not willing. Jerusalem, who the prophets were sent to you. I think that all through their history, they were warned of, you know, their hearts not being right with God. So that's what I get from it. Um, he's not upset that they were warned. God always warns. That's his nature and his character. And his desires that in that warning, because, you know, when Jesus warned them, um, would try to deal with their hearts, I don't think he was doing it angrily. I don't think he was yelling at them, pointing his finger at them. I think he was, you know, saying it with a broken heart and a heart of tenderness and, and a, a tear in his eye because he wanted them to know that your Messiah is within you. And um, they didn't care about the people they didn't serve the people. They only wanted to be exalted. They only wanted to have the best seats in the synagogues. They would summon a trumpeter when they gave. They wanted to be seen of men. And when you go into Matthew chapter 23, we see this series of woes that he gives to them because of their hypocrisy and because of their um, you know, religiousness that really kept people from coming to know God and to knowing the Messiah, who he was, because they came against him. So that's how so, I take it. Why wouldn't he then say repent instead of asking a question of who warned you? Well, he does, He does, in a sense, say that you need to repent. That was his message, um, that repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what we read in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he did have that message of repent. Jesus had the same message 
when he started his ministry as well. So that message of repentance and his baptism was a baptism of repentance as well uh, that was out there in the wilderness. I I realize that. I I agree with you. I was more asking why he would choose those words then. Um, I kind of threw it out there as best as, you know, I can tell you that, you know, he's trying to get them to, to say, you know, um, you know, brood of vipers who warn you to flee from the wrath to come. And um, so, you know, I have to look at that specifically, uh, see if I can get any more out of there, um, okay. what you're asking. So, Thank you, sir. Yeah, you bet, Luke. Have a good day. You too. 303-690-3000. Let's go to line two to Renee and Aurora. Hi, Renee. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Got a question for me? Well, I did at the beginning, but the gentleman that answered the phone explained it to me, and then the light bulb went on. But then (laughs) I have another question for you. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, You know, where it says, uh, man has no greater love than to give his life for a friend. Uh Uh-huh. Do you think that those that give their lives for their friends, whether it be saved or not, they are heaven-bound? Let me ask you a question, Renee, and and it comes down to this. What brings salvation? If, If somebody was to ask you, why are you saved, how would you answer that? Uh, because I repented and I was baptized. Well, here there's only one answer. Because I believe, you know, that I was talking with somebody about this this week, that you could probably stand outside of of even churches, um, and I'm t- using churches, you know, churches a broad term, and okay. you can ask them if if you were to die and go to heaven, and God was asking you, why should I let you in? What's the answer? Is it because I belong to the church? Is it because I was baptized in the church or I gave to the church? Or is it because I was a good father, a good citizen in the community, or I laid down my life for someone? As good as those things are, that doesn't bring salvation. There's only one answer to that question, and that is faith in Jesus Christ and knowing that he's the Son of God who came and died for you, that he rose again, and as you come and realize that you're a sinner in need of the Savior of the world, he's the only Savior. He's the only one that died for sinful humanity. He's the only one that conquered sin and death. No other religious leader did that. He lived right. a perfect life. He was the only one qualified for that. So the Bible is very clear, especially as you go through the books of Roman and the book of Galatians, that as the doctrine of justification is presented to us in those books that we are saved um, by faith in Jesus Christ is what we are told. And so Paul, he, he, he gives that doctrine um, as he says that the righteousness of God apart from the lot is re- revealed. And, um, and he goes and he says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right. being justified freely by his grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Right. Even so, demons, even even demons believe in God. I mean, they they fear God. They 
Sure. They know of That's... God. So for me, they aren't saved. No, um, they're not. So I believe that it's being baptized by water, re- repenting your sins, being baptized by water, because Jesus was baptized, and then following Christ. Not just saying, oh, I'm baptized, I'm saved, but you have to have works with faith, and you have to follow them till the day you die. But you must be baptized, repent and be baptized with water. But I just, I was wondering about, you know, like the thief on the cross, he was saved. So I didn't know if, you know... And And he wasn't baptized. Here's the but, thing, Renee. Right, what, because, what you, what, okay, let me let me just talk. What you just said does not bring salvation. It is faith alone in Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul would write in Ephesians chapter two. I'm going to read it to you, and it's very important for you to understand this. That for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It is not by being baptized. Baptism does not bring salvation. Baptism is identifying with Christ. Baptism is a proclamation that I am saved. It Paul would that? say, Paul it said, says that? it says in Romans chapter 6 that we are baptized as we identify with Christ. But Paul would write in Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Corinthians, he said that I baptized some of you. I thank God I didn't baptize. I didn't come to baptize, but I came to preach the gospel. But we do know that we're not saved by works. Paul, when he was writing that first epistle that he would write in the early epistles, wrote the book of Galatians. Uh And there were those coming along that were saying that you had to be circumcised in order to be saved. And Paul writes, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by baptism? No, by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. But if we, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are found sinners. Is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. There is a call to holiness, but it is faith in Jesus Christ alone. It is not by works of the flesh. It is not by baptism. It's not by circumcision. It's not by worshiping on a certain day. It's by faith alone. And Paul makes that very clear in Ephesians. It's not by works lest any of us should boast. Listen, Renee, you need to know this, that Jesus cried out from the cross, it is finished. It's done. Yeah. It's done. And if it's done then what can we do to add to the work and sufficiency of the cross? And one thing that really made Paul's blood boil is when somebody came along and said that Jesus' work on the cross was not sufficient enough for salvation, that you have to add to it. And when anybody comes along and says, you have to be baptized, you have to worship on a certain day, you have to follow dietary laws, you have to do any of these things, that is not the gospel. The gospel is this, that Jesus Christ did the work on the cross, it is finished, 
and you don't put a question mark where there's a period. And Jesus rose from the grave, and we are justified freely, you know, by grace. And we are justified by faith in Christ, not by the works of the law, or by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. And so when anybody comes along and says, nope, Jesus' death on the cross was not sufficient, it's, you know, it's an offense to the cross, and it's an offense to the gospel. All right? I I believe it's all good. I, I believe what you're saying. I just believe that Christ said we also must be baptized. I mean, baptism isn't the only thing that gets you to heaven, but it's one of the necessary things that must be done to... No. Yeah. No, I've just explained it to you the best I can. Baptism does not bring salvation. Baptism is a declaration that you are saved. So how do you explain the thief on the cross? Well, that was was Jesus' choice, and he has every choice to choose who he wants, to go with him to heaven. All those okay. before Jesus. Okay, so he made an exception for him, but everybody else has to be baptized. That doesn't make sense. Why would Paul say, I didn't come to baptize, but to preach the gospel? Those things that need to take in consideration. So baptism does not bring salvation. And all the listeners that are out there, there are those who will push that you have to be baptized. And it's a false doctrine in the church, and it's not the gospel message. It is faith alone in Jesus Christ. So we're going to leave it at that, all right? We're going to move on. Yes, and you know what? Okay, let's go to Troy in Colorado Springs. Troy? Hello. (laughs) Hello. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. That was a pretty interesting conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, we could go round and round and round, but the truth is it is faith alone in Jesus Christ, and I'm going to stand on what the Bible says. And I agree with you. Thank you. Uh, So what can we do for you? Well, I have a 23-year-old son, stepson, Uh who has a tendency to put his things that he problems that he causes onto other people, it's always somebody else's fault. Trying to figure out words, good words, to help him figure out that, you know, he has to take responsibility for himself. Right. That's a pretty difficult thing to do. Yeah. And one of the things that happens is um, there are those who like to blame all their problems on everybody else. Right. Um, you know, Part of, uh, Troy, of real confession is being in agreement with. Correct. Uh, That's what it means. I'm in agreement. I'm not going to make excuses, and I'm not going to blame everybody else. I mean, that's what Adam did. I mean, that's been going on ever since the beginning. Correct. God said, Adam, hey, did you eat of that tree? And, And he said, it's that woman you gave me, that wife. He blamed it on her. And. So I would just encourage him um, that you just um, explain that to him that, you know, blaming everybody else, you know, for your problems, because I can hear that from people. Um, I know people that have done that. It's always everybody else's fault. But to really look at themselves and say, you know what, I have sinned. 
I, you know, I'm, I'm reaping consequences because of my carnality or sin and to try to somehow get them in that, you know, realization that, yeah, even, you know, there are people that um, won't treat us right or put us down or cause difficulties in our lives, but we, we can't blame everything on everybody else. Um, right. Well, he, and, he blames others and then he runs. So, yeah, yeah. And uh, um, it's hard. It's hard to watch. And uh, it's hard to talk, talk to somebody like that because um, then they start blaming you. Um, you know, you don't care, all this other, you know, things that they right. can say. But just, you know, to look at them and say, listen, you know what? You need to go to the Lord. The Lord knows what you're going through. You need to to own up. You need to confess. Sometimes we'll say you need to man up. You need to man up and take responsibility for the things that you right. do. And the things that you do, there are consequences that will happen when you do it contrary to the way of the Lord. And that's something that they need to come say, I, I'm being honest with you. I love you. I care about you. But you continue down this road and— there's going to be negative consequences and repercussions for your sin and carnality and disobedience and blaming everybody else. And there is a turning to the Lord and trusting in him and to just have that heart to heart, whether he'll listen to you or not, you know, that's what we're going to pray that, um, that, you know, as you come with a heart of, I want to help you. And, um, you need to hear these things. You know, that's what we're trying to do is help him. He was, he moved, when we announced that we were getting married, he just up and ran. Mm -hmm. And so he's, uh, he likes to run. So yeah, trying to figure out a good way to slow him down a little bit. So he takes the time to think about what he's doing. Yeah, I understand. And just to keep trying to reach out to him and keep praying for him and and, um, let him know that, you know, you want to help, and running away is not the answer. Um, right. It never is the answer. Running away just makes things more complicated, and right. it just makes things worse is what happens. And uh, so anyway, um, can I pray for you? Please. <laughs> yeah. Father, I pray for Troy, and I thank you for his call. Lord, it's hard when we have people that we love that run away from problems they, you know, always seem to blame others um, for what they're going through. And Lord, I just pray that you give Troy the words to say to his stepson. I pray that he would listen. I pray that you would minister to him, um, bring him back to where they can sit down and have a heart-to-heart talk and uh, give Troy the wisdom and the words to say and uh, minister to um, his stepson. Uh, prepare his heart for what he has to say. Um, let him know that he's cared for and loved and that um, that Troy wants to help him. So I pray that you would just um, work in a, a mighty way, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank thanks, Troy. Okay. God day. bless you. You too. Thanks for calling in. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. We're getting ready to go to a break here before long. Um, in just a minute or so. And uh, so we still uh, have some open lines, 303-690-3000. I am Jeff Figgs here, ready to take your calls. 
answer your questions, some good questions today, some challenging questions. And you can text in um, a question as well. Let me give you that number as that number is 720-336-0897. As we're getting ready to go to the break, I just want to tell you very quickly that um, we have our series Standing Firm in the Last Days that will continue on Wednesday nights, this Wednesday and next Wednesday. Tomorrow we're going to be talking about making godly decisions uh, as, um, as a family and standing firm as a family. And so uh, I want to invite you out to that. Um, we need to stand firm as a family because culture and society is coming against the family, telling us to live contrary to the ways of God. So check us out, calvarychapelgurley.com on our website. We're easy to find 7 o'clock on Wednesday night, standing firm in the last days, tomorrow standing firm in godly decisions as a family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Call us with your questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus right now at 303-690-3000. Welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live. I am in studio. My name, Pastor Jeff Figgs of Calvary Chapel Greeley, ready to take your calls, answer your questions and prayer requests. Uh, We have open lines. Uh, Give us a call at 303-690-3000 to be on the air and love to talk to you about the things that the Lord answer your questions as best I know how and uh, to be able to bless you in that way. We have a means for you to text in a question. Uh, that text line is 720-336-0897. Let's go to Caesar in Denver. Caesar? Hello, Pastor. How are you? Fine, Pastor. Um, I'll I, uh, on that last well, a couple of calls before, he was he was asking why John said, uh, um, "Why did you? Uh, who warned you uh, about the coming? You brood of vipers." Mm-hmm. I thought I thought Jesus um, said that we we would hear His voice, that our name was written in the book of life, and that His sheep would hear His voice. So right. that means that I thought that we would hear. Like if I was there, I would. So I would be there to be baptized, but the people who didn't hear his voice, which is those people, uh, he would ask them that, almost, almost pointing out, like he said, their heart. But the people who heard it, heard John's voice, would be baptized because God said he would hear his voice. Right? Yeah, and you know you're cutting out there. I don't know if it's a phone problem or um, internet problem, problem or whatever. Yeah, and um, but you know he said, "Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come?" I think Luke was wanting to know who was you know warning them. What exactly does that mean? And um, you know most most of the religious leaders believed in the wrath to come, and um, you know I, I think they had been warned by the prophets that had come. And, you know, the flee from the wrath to come takes on a um, turn and repent, uh, because Luke was asking about repentance. Why didn't he say repent? Well, in a way, he's saying flee from it, uh, repent, get your hearts right with the Lord. And so, you know, that's my take on it. 
you can look at it some more and stuff. But as you were saying, you were mentioning about those who hear the voice of Jesus, know him. And that is the whole uh, gospel message is knowing him, you know, believing in him. Um, and um, even as we've had discussion about what does save a person, and there are those who come along and say, well, you have to do certain works, and we're not saved by works. We're saved no. by, by grace through faith and alone. And um, we have to stand on that message and on that truth of what the you know, Bible declares to us. And they came and asked Jesus, what works must I do to do the works of God? And he said, believe on him whom the Father has sent. Believe on me. So um, it's belief in him and faith in him and, and admitting you're a sinner and need the Savior of the world. Uh, but there's no works that we can do. And he's telling the religious leaders, listen, you know, and that's the message throughout the Gospels, and Jesus trying to get the religious leaders to not only see who he was, that he was Messiah standing in their midst, um, but also um, that it's not about their religiousness and that their religiousness actually kept people from God. They made the word of God of no effect, Jesus said to them, because they were only concerned about the outward appearance. And, and the Lord sees the heart. He wants a heart that is given to him, surrendered to him, and then regeneration happens in the heart. And that comes by surrendering our lives to him, coming in faith, recognizing our need for him. So hopefully that helps in, in understanding, yeah. uh, I think, the message that he was given to those religious leaders uh, coming out there, and that he is a God that is going to judge sin. And Jesus yeah. went to the cross to take the sin for you and for me. And so, um, yeah, and yeah. you know, those who belong to him, we hear his voice, and to know him, you know, and, and you bring up a point, Caesar, that is very important, I think, that the most important thing is to know him. Um, it's yes. more important than yes. serving him. I'm not saying serving him is not important. It's very important, but to know him and to be surrendered yes. to him. And to, the only way to you know just, him is to be a servant or slave to everybody yeah. you meet. Well, not just the, the people you think, but to all um, people. Yeah, and and the thing is that Jesus said that they will know you're my disciples for your love for one another, but to know him is to know him through the scriptures, you know, yeah. to know God, his character, his nature, to know of his love. And as you read the scriptures and you think, oh, Lord, that you laid down your life for me, uh, the creator of the universe, um, that you came and died for me, I'm a treasure, I'm a pearl of great price, and you went through... Um, such sacrifice for me, you can't help but love him and to yes. respond in that love. And then Paul comes along, and here's the thing to understand, that grace doesn't mean that we just live any way that we want. Grace means we are free to live for him. Yes. And Paul writes that the greatest, you know, the, the, the law can be, that is, summed up in one word, that is love. And when we love the Lord, it's going to be worked out in our lives. And how do we you, bless him? Because is that how you bless him? Because how how you what? And they, and they bless the Lord. Yeah, we can bless him through our worship and and our service, okay. our devotion. Okay. You know, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, all that is within me. Bless yes. the Lord. You know, bless His name, 
and all that is within us as we surrender completely to him, as we walk with him, as we love him, as we praise him, as we know him. It blesses him. And yeah, so just continue to do that, Caesar, and enjoy him. Yeah, you bet. Absolutely. So thanks for calling in. You bet. God bless. You bet. 303-690-3000. We have open lines. Love to talk to you, encourage you in the things of the Lord. Let's go to Ray in Chestertown, Maryland. Ray? Ray, if you are with us, I think that maybe you dropped... So, Ray, love to be able to talk to you and answer you. Thank you, you guys, for calling on the East Coast. Uh, we do have open lines, 303-690-3000. Give us a call. Love to talk to you. Let's go to Jess and Parker. Hi, Jess. Jeff. How are you? Great, Jeff. Good to hear you. Uh, you guys, I first want to just thank you for the program. We're blessed to have all you pastors, your diligent study, and having the Spirit work through you. It's awesome. Thank you. Um, Thank I was you. Just appreciate the encouragement. Dead horse on that. Uh, I'm Karen's comment about being baptized and all that. I'm thinking maybe she's getting that confused. I remember, you know, Nick. That's how we must get the king. And uh, and that's even John the Baptist who said, "I'm baptizing with water, but the Son of Man is going to come and baptize with the Spirit." And uh, like you said, the thief. The, I think the baptism thing by water that accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord here and been baptized ourselves by the Holy Spirit. We do. That's our outward expression to the public, basically declaring our faith to the community. You know that this is who we follow. You know. So I don't yeah. know. I was just thinking that. You know, the whole right. baptism by the Holy Spirit is, and then as far as works. We're not to necessarily do good works, but once you have the Holy Spirit, once you have Jesus Christ living in you, you can't help but do good works because we're servants. And that's yeah. just an outward expression right. of how we live our life now once you're born again. Yeah. Right. And, you so. know, the thing, Jess, is there's a difference between, I think sometimes people get mixed up between justification and sanctification. Justification it's a legal term, just as if I've never sinned. And again, it's first brought up being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, um, is what Romans chapter 3 tells us. We are justified freely by his grace okay. um, through the redemption in Christ Jesus, who went to the cross for us. So that's a legal term that we are declared justified as we come in faith, even as Paul wrote in Galatians, we're not justified by any works of the law. Um, there are those who say, well, you know, you got to do this, you got to be baptized, or whatever it yeah. is we were discussing. But a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. That is something that we need to really um, understand and to stand on that. That's the gospel message justification by faith. Um, yeah. But sure. when it comes to just we all sin. Yeah, yeah we, we've all sinned. We can't earn yeah. our way to heaven. No, we cannot no way. if and it goes back to even the first question that we got um on the show that um that if you know you ask a lot of people why am I saved, they'll come up with all kinds of answers. 
Right. Um, I was a good Going person. I way. was baptized in the church. I gave to the church, whatever. Those, as good as those things are, that isn't what saves you. Now, baptism, I'm not saying it's not important. It is an important step in a believer's life, but is identifying with Christ. And it is in obedience to Christ to be baptized, declaring that that I am saved. And um, and that's what we see from Acts chapter 8. You recall that when Philip was ministering to the Ethiopian in chapter 8 of Acts, that the Ethiopian was asking about Jesus, you know, or from Isaiah chapter 53, who does it speak of, you or somebody else? And so Philip explained the gospel to him that it speaks of Jesus, and then he said, what keeps me from being baptized? And Philip answered, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you may be baptized. But we see in every case, baptism followed that confession of faith, um, that it, it, it followed that declaration of faith in Jesus Christ. So we know that Paul, in Romans chapter 6, he talks about baptism, and he says that, um, that we identify with Christ in baptism. As he says that, don't you know that as many as of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism unto right. death. That Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in the newness of life. This is a section of Romans that talks about our sanctification. That mm-hmm. process, sanctification means being set apart. So in that, He's saying, should we continue in sin that grace abounds? He said, no, certainly not. We're dead to sin. And baptism is that picture of that we're buried with Christ as we go under the water. All our sins are buried. And then coming out of the water, we are raised with Christ and in that newness of life. And now, you know, we're no longer slaves to sin is what he goes on to say. But we have the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, working in our lives to walk after right. the Spirit so we don't fulfill the flesh. So sanctification is that process of the Lord working in us, growing us, holiness and righteousness being worked out yeah. in our lives. And um, and so uh, we don't want to get those two terms mixed up. All no, right? because people can get baptized by water, but if they're not filled with the Holy Spirit, it's nothing. It's like that, that one uh, magician guy who, I think it was Peter or whatever, or went out to get baptized because he wanted to do miracles like, you know, like the disciples. Right. And, he, you know, he was just that magi- magician. I can't even think of his name right now in the Scripture. But, it was Simon yeah, we're to the die. Sorcerer. We're to die ourselves and have Christ live in us. And then, yeah, yeah the baptism is our outward out to the world. But if we don't believe in the Holy Spirit, doesn't you can, have all, you can stay under the water as long as you want. If you don't have the Spirit, Christ, yeah. you don't it, have it. it. You, so, but anyway, right. I'll let you go because I know you got other okay. callers. But great show. Thanks, I love Jess. you guys, and I'm, I'm always thanks. praying for you. God bless you. Hey, thanks for calling in, Jess. God bless you. You know, to believe in Christ, and, and if you're not a believer, made a profession of faith and have come to Christ and um, asked him into your heart, you can be baptized, but you just got wet. And I think that's what Jess was trying to say. Well, let's go to Philadelphia, Natasha. Natasha? Yes. Hello. How are you? I'm okay. Good. What can we do for you? Thanks for calling in. You're welcome. My question is, I noticed majority of the churches, they are not preaching about repentance. 
and they all they speak about is prosperity. And right. I'm wondering what is really going on is that and when I read the Word of God, I don't see anything in there like that. And every time I go through the Scripture, Jesus spoke about hell. And right. no, the churches I know much, they are not teaching about hell and repentance. And and it's some mm-hmm. and, and I pray and fast and trying to figure out why these churches are just only preaching about prosperity. Is there something wrong? Well, there's. It's a popular message um, that um, people. It appeals to the flesh, uh, the prosperity movement, the health, wealth, uh, the prosperity word uh, that draws in a lot of crowds. The problem with it is it focuses on, you know, those who teach on the seed faith and God wants you to be wealthy and always healthy. It's it's focused on the temporary. And, you know, Paul had something to say to Timothy about it. It's actually been going on for 2,000 years. And he said, now, godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. But he, he would go on to say, that, you know, from those who um, say that, you know, um, godliness is a means of gains, stay away from them, is what he says. Um, those who, uh, you know, are preaching that, um, that, um, you know, that des- he goes on to say, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and snare into many foolish and harmful lusts which draw men in destruction and perdition, for it's the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evil. So here's the thing. Those who only teach that Jesus is some kind of celestial Santa Claus or genie up in the sky, that you can manipulate him into making you wealthy by seed faith and all that. Listen, there's blessing in giving. The Lord, every good gift comes from above, but always the priority is a heart towards him. And to, as you said, to turn to him, repentance is a part of that, and to walk with him and to know him. And and that's the desire of the Lord more than anything, to have an eternal perspective, to lay up your treasures in heaven. Right. Because he says, lay up your treasures here on earth, it's going to rust, it's going to go away. And so the priority is always be a good steward of what God has given to you. And I personally think that the Lord, um, you know, if he just gave us whatever we wanted, um, like he was a celestial Santa Claus, we would take the goods and run. And it would be harmful to us. Um, But um, he knows what our needs are. He can bless. Um, He can certainly make somebody prosperous. Um, There's no doubt about that. But his interest in us primarily is a heart after him to be good stewards of what he's given to us, to keep our eyes on eternity, not on the temporal. And that's the problem right. with the prosperity movement is it's all about the temporal, and he wants to be wealthy now. And usually the gospel message doesn't come with that, uh, that there needs to be a turning to him, repentance, and coming in faith in Jesus Christ and the message of the cross, that we must deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow after him. So mm-hmm. there's a, you know, along with the, you know, seed faith and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I even get letters, um, Natasha, that, you know, if, you know, Pastor Figs, if you give to our ministry this seed faith, you know, God's going to bless you a hundredfold. And it's like, 
you know, if they really believe that, why don't they give to me a seed faith? Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's true. It's always it's always give to me, you know, money. So, um, you know, it's it's there's messages out there that tickle the ears of people, and the prosperity movement is part of that. And here's the thing, Natasha: it's not just in the Western, but they'll take that over to third world countries and they'll tell the people that and give them this false hope that, you mm-hmm. know, if you give to our ministry, you're going to be wealthy all of a sudden, then they get in their jets and they leave. So yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot of shortcomings in that prosperity movement um, in the message that comes with it. Yes, I have seen that. And I always said, why take that money and give it to them? And we could give it to the poor you know, and no one seems want to give the poor anymore. No one wants to well, seems to help the homeless anymore. If and we're, we're only if we're only coming to the Lord to get something, you know, to become rich and you know to name and claim a house, boats, and all that, you know, that's there's something wrong in that. We we come to the Lord because He saved us, and um, and. I want to, the Lord talks about, like Ephesians, the heavenly inheritance that we have. And um, so we always want to keep our eyes on the eternal. So good point, Natasha. Appreciate it. Just keep keep your focus on Jesus. Yes, and I'm asking you please to pray for my daughter, Onisha, and Shavana, and Leah. Um, Two oldest ones, they were baptized, but they have never really fully, fully in Christ. So I'm asking if please to pray for them too. And what's their names again? Shavana, Onisha, and Leah. And these are your daughters? These are my daughters, yeah. And Father, I just thank you for Natasha just calling in from the East Coast. And I thank you for her question that, a lot of people wonder about the whole prosperity movement. And, Lord, for all the listeners, that we would know that we have the riches of Christ. There's nothing in this world that can replace that, but our priority is to please Him, to know Him, to walk with Him. And, Lord, we know every good gift comes from above, but we give because You gave us the very best, Jesus Christ. And I pray for Natasha's daughters. I pray that they would come to truly know You, that they would open up their hearts to You, that, Lord, that you would bless them and in a way of, of Lord, take it any blindness or hardness of heart, soften them. Um, I pray for Natasha. She'd be able to minister to her daughters, that their eyes would be open to you, and they would come into full surrender to you, Lord. I pray that you would work that because we know that you love them. Draw them to yourself. Work in their lives. Show yourself strong on their behalf. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You are welcome so much, Natasha. God bless you. God bless you, too. You know, there's a lot of preaching about prosperity because it is um, a very popular message, and um, it appeals to people's flesh, and we need to filter everything through the Scriptures. Let's go to Linda in Greeley. Hi, Linda. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Uh, fine. Um, I have, you know, that guy that um, called in about the uh, Matthew 3, 7, oh, generation mm-hmm. of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? 
Right. I'm wondering if it could mean that, um, not that someone came and warned them, it's saying that who would uh, who's who has warned you? No, in other words, no one has because you wouldn't listen because you are the experts. You uh, have your traditions and you're all, and you wouldn't listen to the gospel of repentance. And I wonder if that's what it could mean that you and they weren't going to warn you because you would listen anyway. Yeah, and you know, I think that you know, in it, um, in looking at it, and um, it was an interesting question that Luke asked. Um, yeah. who warned you from, from the flee from the wrath to come. Um, it could be that perhaps John is accusing these religious leaders of wanting to appear ready for the Messiah, but not truly repenting and preparing their hearts. Right, um, that's what I think. And, and of course, the wrath is, you know, what people are going to face uh, when without right. Christ. So I think that's and maybe I, that's what it was saying. You know, you're not going to be saved from the wrath because you were too proud to repent. Because they thought yeah. they knew everything, so I just kind of—that yeah. was just a different look on it. And I was just kind of because yeah. I don't think somebody ran to him and warned him. I think that's kind of a you know how the Bible says things kind of weird sometimes. <laughs> well, and I think it was a continued conversation that not only with John the Baptist, but you know, with um, with Jesus, in because they trusted in their religiousness, they trusted right. in their Tradition. heritage of you know of being descendants of Abraham and thinking that they were automatically saved. And uh-huh. um, John's saying, put that thought, you know, thinking that uh, out of your minds that God owes you a favor. He can raise up, you know, uh, rocks. Abraham's descendants from these very rocks. And so um, he's talking about a heart condition. He's talking about right. repentance. He was, he was out there doing a baptism of repentance. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then Jesus also when he began his ministry, had the same message and um, of, uh, you know, turning to the Lord. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, the religious leaders, again, they were determined to put him to death because they, Jesus was teaching the love of the Father and um, teaching about, you know, he, the common people heard him gladly is what Mark's gospel mm-hmm. says, that the people marveled at him and of grace and of love and of, of truth. He sp- spoke with real authority, unlike the religious leaders, because the religious leaders only wanted to be seen of men. They, they um, were ones that wanted to exalt themselves. And exactly. They, would they wanted to put take the hev- credit. Yeah, well, they put heavy burdens on the people. Exactly. Jesus said That's that. why I just think that, I just think that about my... When he, um, you know, uh, left the, the station, I was wondering, because he didn't sound like he was satisfied with the answer, because I think he had in his head someone had warned them beforehand. And I don't believe they, I think that is t- meaning something totally different. Is that yeah, this one section? So, I mean, that yeah, was just to me a thought that could be that they yeah, weren't warned because they wouldn't listen exactly. anyway, because they thought they yeah, were the experts. Sure, so that sure. was just something it, I'd throw out there. No. Yeah, and you <laughs> know he was asking it. He was asking a good question, I, and um, yeah. and it's good for thought and gets us thinking. And one of the things that you know that I tell people, you know, is I I don't have all the answers all the time. Sometimes I just don't know, and uh, uh, sometimes people may not be satisfied completely. So I just mm-hmm. you know the best I can be able to answer and point to the scriptures and kind of go from exactly. there. Exactly. So, but it was it was a good question Luke had and yeah, appreciate was, him calling in. And, yeah, all the so. callers, I appreciate you guys calling in and 
and uh, it makes for an interesting show. It gets me thinking. It makes me a better pastor because I'll probably go and just look at this some more and uh, hopefully next time be able to answer it yeah. a little bit more satisfactory. So yeah. Yeah, appreciate you again, calling in. Yeah. Okay, thank you. You have a yeah. great day, okay? You too, Linda. God bless okay. you. God. Yeah, and you, you know, it's, it's, it is challenging to be on the show and answer the questions, but I love it. I love being able to serve you in this way. All the listeners that are out there, I hope it's a blessing for you and um, to be able to just hear truth, the God's Word, and to, you know, it, it, we need to continue on in the Scriptures and being uh, students of the Scripture, uh, rightly dividing the Word of Truth, and, and that's what these questions do. So, well, we're towards the end of our show. I appreciate everybody's called in, uh, and uh, pray that you continue on with the Scriptures and uh, would love to um, just... Uh, uh, be able to hear from you again as we, um, you know, we'll be on Calvary Live the rest of the week and next week, and uh, to be able to bless you uh, at, on Calvary Live and and being able to point you to uh, Jesus, point you to uh, the Word of God, to pray with you, and that's what this show really is about, uh, to be a blessing to you. So I appreciate all of you who have called in, all of you that have. Uh, been a part of the show, and that pray for us. Continue to support us here on Calvary Live and um, listen in. I I hope you have a great evening. Um, keep looking to Jesus uh, and keep looking to his love. God bless you. Have a good e- evening. Thank you for listening to Calvary Live. Be sure to tell a friend about Grace FM.